Yeah. So one of the biggest things that people oftentimes overlook is just the different types of communication styles mm-hmm. as well. How people like to be talked to, how people uh, perceive what they're being told. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of the things that, that we dive into. And welcome to the next episode of the Unbiased Truth Podcast. I am Sid, the host, and this episode is sponsored by 360 Home Inspections. And today we have the one and only Brian Berry with us. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad for the rest of the world that there is only one of me. I don't know that the world can handle more than one. So, so tell us what you do. Introduce yourself. Um, well, it's probably better to give a little background. Uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead first. Um, I am a professional speaker and a leadership consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, after 30 years of being in the investment advisory uh, field, um, selling my practice a few years ago uh, after a pretty significant health uh, issue and then working in the nonprofit uh, consulting and networking uh, field for two or three years. Yeah. Um, that led me to the leadership development side, which is where the passion was, um, and the speaking career, which helps me uh, help a lot of folks through some of the things that I went through in life and through business. So um, I have a company now called Harvesting Chaos, Mm -hmm. which is based on on, on all of my experiences from 30 years of running business and dealing (laughs) with chaotic moments in health over the last few years. So So tell us a little bit more about um, how you got into the leadership consulting world. Okay. So... Uh, it, it does go back to uh, the investment advisory practice mm-hmm. um, when a lot of times you're working with small business owners or uh, department heads of different uh, companies, uh, either working with their retirement plans or helping them out in the state planning or whatever else. You become a uh, you become a trusted confidant of those folks, and they begin to share things with you. And <laughs> a lot of times you don't know if they're just sharing them to get them off their chest or if they're actually looking to you for advice because right. – you've been giving them advice on their investment side. Right. Um, and over the years, it turned out that they were actually looking for advice on those things. So um, during that course of time, uh, I had made myself uh, intentional about learning how to give uh, business advice in yeah. addition to investment advice and solve leadership problems in businesses. Um, and when I say I made myself intentional about learning it, you know, one of the fears was, uh, performing malpractice and giving bad advice on stuff that I was just making up. So I, I didn't want to do that. Right. Um, uh, and then uh, along with that, um, I've been connected in the community a lot along the years, involved in uh, coaching uh, sports in a number of avenues, um, probably you know, in addition to all the little league like most dads yeah. come through. And yeah. we don't really know. You, you and I have talked about it. <laughs> you know, our, our kids kind of want us to help out. And then we get on the field and we start coaching and they don't <laughs> want us out there anymore. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and um, so doing that, but then um, probably more in, intensely at the high school level uh, as an assistant, just a volunteer assistant with football through high school, which um, led me to have some interactions with interesting coaching staffs here and there. And, and wanting to work on communication issues, mm-hmm. uh, I always tell people if you want to, you want to experience chaos in real terms. Um, there are a lot of good high school football coaches around, especially around the Metro Richmond area. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of high turnover in high school football coaches yeah. um, because your staffing issues are a lot of times just volunteers, and a lot of times they're just out there to be a part of the group. And mm-hmm. so Friday night on the sideline with the headset on, you yeah. can experience chaos. Yep. So. Um, so that all that background led me to um, to want to be a problem solver, which is what I've sort of seen myself as most of my 
most of my life mm-hmm. is helping people get through chaotic moments in life. And it was very natural to, um, after life led me on a couple of other different paths, uh, to combine all of that experience and turn it into something which was uh, was relationship problem solving, basically yeah. for businesses. So, uh, kind of a long answer to yeah. to get to that, but it, it it wasn't it wasn't a short path. It wasn't like a quick decision to do this. Right. It was something I just felt led to over over a number of years. Yeah, and I think uh, you know it's funny. My daughter's eight, and we did winter workouts last night, and she asked me if I was going to coach in the spring for <laughs> softball, and I said no. And uh, you know that's typically busy season, and whatnot. And um, he's like, Daddy, I want you to coach. And uh, you said that in the fall, and that lasted the first practice. And you told me you didn't want me to coach no more. Uh, I was like, Well, I changed my mind this time. Okay, yeah. but uh, but when you start talking about, um, you hit on two things: um, uh, communication being one of them, um, and then and then problem solving. And <clears throat> I think entrepreneurs by themselves. Uh, value those two things, uh, and they're really good most of the time at those two things um, by themselves, anyways, right? Because uh, most entrepreneurs have a problem, um, they want to solve it, and before they were entrepreneurs, the company that they worked for wouldn't listen to their solutions, and the problem never got solved. They get fed up, and then they go, you know what? I'm going to do it myself, right? And you start your own business, and then the communication side of things, you know. When and if you go into the fire service, uh, I don't know, police department probably does as well, but I know like military does as well. Um, anytime there's a, a bad outcome, um, they do an after action review. Uh, and if there's a death, uh, like a like a firefighter death, not a civilian death, then there's a chance for NIOS, which is the National um, Institute of Occupational Safety and Health. They'll come in and they not only everyone they'll they'll pick and choose, but they'll do a, a complete breakdown of of the cause of the death, like what happened, you know, why did that person die? And in almost, if not every NIOS report that's published, either a primary or a secondary reason for failure has to do with communication somewhere in there. It's in almost everyone, if not everyone. And the same thing in military, same thing in police department. Um, every failure involves communication. Um, it's not much different in business, you know, in leadership roles, whether it's in those types of roles or whether it's a government job, whether it's it's home inspections, whether you're a real estate team, a broker, um, you know, you work at a DuPont plant, whatever it is, if there's a failure, um, doesn't have to be a death um, or an injury, just, you know, we had a bad year, you know, or we have high employee turnover or, you know, somebody didn't show up for where they were supposed to show up, you know, um, somewhere along the lines, communication is, is a key to that. Um, and I think one of the things that's really hard for people to understand is, um, you know, your background going into, uh, leadership consulting, um, a lot of people think that you, in order, you know, cause we do real estate. Um, and this is one of the things that a pain point for us is trying to get into offices to, to do things outside of home inspections, you know, whether it's, it's disc assessments or, or emotional intelligence presentations or, uh, leadership development. Um, you know, well, you're, what do you know about being a realtor? Nothing, you know, but you know what I do know about leadership, yeah, you know, I know right. about, uh, uh, team building. I know about communication. I know what happens when all, and that stuff transcends, doesn't matter what you do. If you have the ability to properly communicate to everybody, um, across, across, uh, uh, industries, it, it doesn't matter what your background is, you know, because 
being able to teach some of the stuff and consult with some of the stuff, um, you can elevate any industry or anybody in any industry. This is why you will see CEOs bounce around from industry to industry, you know, um, the, <clears throat> yes, it's retail, but going from, from Home Depot to JCPenney's is still a different type of retail, you know, um, cause it comes down to people, leadership teams and communication. So, yeah. So one of the biggest things that people oftentimes overlook is just the different types of communication styles mm-hmm. as well. How people like to be talked to, how people uh, perceive what they're being told. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of the things that, that we dive into. Um, a few years ago, I became uh, certified as a, a coach through Giant Worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of their foundational tools is something called the five voices. And so you mentioned disc assessment. There's also things, you know, bank and uh, Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. and strength finders and all these different assessments. And um, so a lot of giant consultants use the five voices as just the foundational piece to start the conversation about what where the leadership issues are in a business based on just conversation types. So they're, you know, the five different voices and just by uh, title, they are pioneer, connector, creative, guardian, and nurturer. Mm-hmm. Everyone has all five voices in their being, but they're ranked differently. I've got a lot of voices. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's not the voices inside no, your head. It's like different the, voices. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Different, whole different discussion. We can bring that up because, because maybe there's, there's one of those voices that might actually hear voices in your head. And we, um, but, but each of those voices, um, define how someone, uh, communicates naturally. Like how mm-hmm. I, I, as a pioneer, there are things that I say that I assume everyone else understands exactly the way I do mm-hmm. um, until I learn the fact that not everyone hears things or, or interprets things exactly the way I do. So if I don't know that, and if I'm the leader and as a pioneer, um, I'm short and sarcastic with people at times under moments of pressure, yeah. and I don't get why other people don't see the things the way I do, yeah. then a couple of bad things are going to happen. There's nothing good that's going to happen right. out of that situation. Um, if I understand, for example, that you know, guardians by nature don't like change. Mm. They, they like process and procedure and the way things are is good. This is the way we've always done things and it works. And then you've got someone who's a creative first voice, who's constantly thinking of ways to improve things or in ways to get ahead. And the guardian's like, "Mm, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, Well, unless you understand that, that there are differences of ways of looking at this, um, you can either become stagnant. Employees can get dissatisfied and leave at least all the other bad things that happen, like yeah. mistakes, employee turnover, which is often overlooked as a costly piece of business, is employee turnover. Yeah, um, it's you know you, you've seen studies about how much it costs to replace certain certain positions. That's ridiculous. Your, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the higher up the chain you go, the more expensive yep. it comes to. So if there are ways to learn to work through those communication issues, mm-hmm. it, it can actually add to the bottom line. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to the client this morning. I actually had coffee with. Um, and due to just a lack of communication between a supervisor and an estimator mm-hmm. for a job, um, he had written down, he had started doing some of the metrics on it and realized that they had probably lost about $125,000 on a job between underestimating it and then not controlling cost yeah. when they actually got the contract. And it was due to just a communication between two people. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's an expensive mistake. And that it's, is. It's um, so... You know, we come in, like my role is to come in and go, 
this is a really easy question to, to answer. How much would, how much does it cost if you don't solve this problem? Well, here's a real <laughs> live example. Yeah. So, um, and it can make bringing in someone from the outside, it, it all of a sudden make it real, real return. Like yeah. it's worth it. You can you know pay someone a tenth of that, mm-hmm. and ten extra return on that investment. That's I mean that's worthwhile, and that's the kind of thing you look at. So the leadership we consult on today is, it's it's so different than leadership we were taught thirty years ago, sure. or maybe even leadership in in the military where I say you do right, and there's no room for discussion. Okay. Um, it's very relationship based. And it's just based on where we are as society today, right. too. If we can decide to not learn how to communicate with today's workforce and be stubborn and do things we learned 30 years ago yeah. and spin our wheels and fail and run up in cost and, you know, eat into profitability. Right. Or we can figure out, you know, how do we communicate with today's workforce? Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's a lot to unpack there. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a book called turn the ship around and, and you know, the whole, the whole premise of that. And if you, if you've studied leadership, like there's nothing earth shattering in the book, it's just, it's earth shattering to the military mm-hmm. um, because it's a very top down approach where the commander of the sub came in and did more of a servant style leadership, which was not um, taught in the Navy or military. And, and he really, turn things around mm-hmm. and from the worst um, command in the, in the, in the fleet to, to one of the best, you uh-huh. know, and it's just based off more, I say modern, the stuff's been around for a long time. Sure. It's just not been implemented by certain organizations uh, and, and institutions um, because, you know, the mentality of, well, how we've always done it works, you yeah. know, um, and the fire department, same thing. You know, 30 years ago, it was that authoritarian style leadership and, what people fail to understand now is one uh, the very core of me being a person in 2023 now is that I have options. You know, I don't need to work for you. Um, I can go work wherever I want versus, you know, we've have centuries of families that didn't make it out of the town. Right. Mm -hmm. And now if I just feel like it, I can go get a job halfway across the country and start on Monday, you know? So, so you can talk to me however you want to talk to me. But I may not stay here, you know. Um, I forget who. I read this somewhere, and I'm bad with names, so I apologize to your listeners. Um, but the concept was where we've come over the past, well, since the early 1900s, from how we've raised folks or how what folks have expected. And so if you go back to the Depression times, mm-hmm. the head of the household the, the key was get a job that puts food on the table and yep. keeps a roof over the head. And that was it. Yeah. And so if I got a job, I wasn't leaving. I, I would work under whatever the conditions were mm-hmm. because the, the means to the end was putting food on the table. Yep. And, um, and so that generation became more of, okay, I have my, I have my food and I have my needs. Um, I'm going to move on and do the American dream, which is a house, you know, yep. spouse, two kids, dog. Yep. Um, and that generation's kids became, had the option of going to college and furthering their career and being able to, you know, pick based on a career. And then when they came through, it was like, well, I'll do this job, but I can, I can aim higher. So there's something else to go. And now today's generation comes out with options. They're like, what is this job going to do for me? How's this going to fit into my career plans? And in all of that, we also have for the first time really ever, five generations in the workforce. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
five, maybe six, depending um, generations. And of course, each generation has a subset generation, mm-hmm. and and that brings another set of problems for leadership. Yeah. You know, because that authoritarian leadership worked for a very specific generation, and that generation was overly dominant. The baby boomer generation, you know, was 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 a large population that once they hit the workforce, it was that's what it was. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't that far removed of the styles of the previous generation, but now. We've gone from from the boomer baby boomer generation to a very vastly different Gen X to a very vastly different millennial to a very vastly different generational Z, and and you can walk into whatever job you do, and now you got to figure out how to lead because one generation may be okay with you saying you know get off your ass and go do what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. another generation is going to tell you you know well it's also an <laughs> expectation of um, a, a lot of the new generation of of folks coming into the workforce come in with a different mindset. They're not, you know, today's, today's new group coming in, they're not about working the same position for 20 years and working yeah. their way up the ladder. They're, they're most are interested in skipping their way up the ladder or yeah. starting at the top of the ladder. Yeah. Um, and, and so much has been also impacted by the past couple of years mm-hmm. and the, with COVID everyone working from home. Yeah. And now we're as corporate America is struggling to get folks to come back in the office uh, and it's still going on. And who was it? Uh, just yesterday, there was another company that announced, oh, uh, was it Disney? Um, or someone just announced that you're, you're coming back to the Disney. office for four days yep, a week. That now. Was Disney. Um, and so what they're hap- what they're finding is um, there's a whole new calls for turnover. Yeah. Cause folks are just like, you know, I, in today's economy, I can, I can start my own thing. Yeah. I'll figure out what niche specialty I can do from home. Yeah. And I mean, how many people still makes me laugh because, you know, an influencer to me was like, you know, Winston Churchill, you know, um, but now it's, or, you know, I can just guy with a big TikTok. Yeah. Or, now, yeah. now it's, and, and they're making money off of it. You yeah. know, I was like, I don't, I don't need to go do that job anymore. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's whole families that's, that's now created in the space of, of yeah, create, uh, they're just content creators. Yeah. All the yeah. vlogs. Yeah. They're like the family vlogs that they're insane. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and this, it it goes back to that. Um, be careful who you listen to and who you follow. Also, <laughs> yeah. so it's like who who audits this information to make sure it's correct. Uh, it's, I mean, some extent, I, I kind of laugh sometimes. This is really off track, but I almost think it it brings back um, potentially a little bit of Darwinism in some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think some of these vlogs, if you're care if you're not careful what you're following. Um, th- you know, it could become survival of the fittest again real fast. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that goes back, I, you know, this is a rabbit hole for sure. Um, yeah. uh, you know, because it's That's you're what following. You told me. You're coming on to do a rabbit hole here. And that's now, right. So we're just that's right. Go down uh, this thing and. You, you start uh, following very specific blogs, and then the algorithms of the internet and social media now. Controls what you see. And controls what you see, and now you can keep, keep getting sucked in. This is how, you know, I don't, it was like a Netflix show um documentary about all that stuff and and how social media um you know not conspiracy theory it's true (laughs) um but you know this is how we get right left right extreme right extreme left is because all of a sudden everything you see every time you open your phone your computer whatever it's just more and more and more extreme so um you know if you follow you know, whatever, I don't want to say any extreme name because, you know, people, whatever. Um, but now all of a sudden you're, you're a QAnon. That's everything you see is going to be that. Even though you're just interested in reading about an article about it because you don't know anything about them, now everything, it keeps popping up. The more you click, the more you read. And now all of a sudden you are getting some type of, of, of rewiring in your head because that's all you're, all you're seeing. You're not seeing the other end now because the 
the the system, the machine doesn't let you see the other sides anymore. Well, well even and again, not, not to offend anyone, but even with what's happened recently with Twitter, yeah, it's been it's been amazing to watch. Just you know, some people sort of had this fit about, oh, no, you know, there's no truth. There's no, yeah. what's, what's controlling it? I'm like, were we sure there was truth before? Or yeah, exactly. Just, exactly. And, and, and it really becomes tough to, like, what is truth anymore? Because yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have two sides that will argue vehemently yeah. about what truth is. And, yeah. you know, it's always like, what is it? If you're selling an argument, there's there's your side, my side, and somewhere in the middle there's and, truth. And so. Yeah. <laughs> And the mainstream stuff from Twitter to Facebook to CNN to Fox News, they're they're the gatekeepers of the information. So they they get to control what you what you see and read yeah. and how you read it and see it. So um, back to you know what is the truth because yeah. there's, there's nothing that's being put out there. Uh, but before we go any deeper into that, um, I, was, I was just going to back away from that anyhow at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so when we're talking about uh, leadership and teams and organizations, one of the things that I see a lot and I want to see how, how you handle it, what your thoughts are is that a lot of times a company will bring somebody in, right. And say, Hey, we're going to do this leadership training and like, cool. You know, we need some leadership around here. And then everybody sits down around the table or the classroom or the break room or whatever. And all of a sudden you start looking around like, you know what? I don't see any actual leaders taking this leadership training. Uh-huh. You know, it's just grunts on the ground, you know, and it used to, it used to infuriate me in the fire department um, because we'd have mandatory training. Well, mandatory for us, mm-hmm. you know, and they would talk about all these, you know, things like, well, how, how come, how come there's no battalion chiefs or, or, or certain do as, people do as I here? say, not as I do. And, <laughs> and yeah. And, and it, it's frustrating because at the end of the day, um, you know, that that's part of it. One, it's a morale booster, sure. right. Just to have those people in there. But two, just, just because you're in a leadership position doesn't mean, you you know you can't learn about leadership. So and and that takes us back to wanting actually to define who or what a leader is. Mm-hmm. So what you're describing is for years, um, leaders were that person put in charge that everyone under them had to follow. Yep. And today that doesn't work as well because folks have options. Mm-hmm. So what we teach is becoming a leader that others want to follow. Right. And that's where. Uh, teaching relational leadership more than task, um, do as I say type. Yeah. Um, and what you're doing is you're, you're sort of walking. I, I think I want to describe it this way. You're walking a fine line of empowering everyone, but, but not to the point of chaos. Right. So um, when we look at the five voices, we find that the most successful teams have – members from each of with with each of the voice so of the five voices like again my first voice is pioneer yours is creator in a in a perfect world if we had five people on a team each one of us would lead with a different voice right um and that way we're, we're getting them you know a 360 degree to borrow your company name right. <laughs> a view of, of what's going on now it doesn't mean that every team has to be that way but at least that way we're covering as many of the different possibilities, but we're only doing that if everyone feels empowered to speak up and share what's on their mind. Right. So what the, uh, what the five voices allows us to do is, is recognize not just the makeups of the voice, but the volumes of the voice also. Yeah. So for example, um, pioneer only makes up 7% of the population. 
but we tend to be the loudest voice. <laughs> so we're oftentimes leaders, uh-huh. but it's not because we're the best leaders. Right. We, we can be, but it just means we're the loudest and we waited around for somebody else to speak up and no one did. Yeah. Um, nurturers on the other hand is the quietest voice, but they make up 43% of the population. Mm-hmm. Well, if they make up 43% of the population, then what they have to say is probably pretty important <laughs> to right, the general right. general makeup. So um, we just we just teach the, the interactions between those voices. Mm. And um, when we run a meeting, for example, in a leadership meeting, if an idea or a question is tossed out to the leadership group, which, again, is something fairly foreign, yeah. you know, back 20, 30 years ago, there was just a couple of, couple of folks up front, and I'll say a couple of guys up top. Yeah. They just said, okay, this is the way it's going to be. Uh, and no one else felt empowered enough to question that, right. to say, well, have you thought this through? Well, what if X happens? Um, well, how is this decision going to impact the rest of the staff? And those are things that just were, it doesn't matter because the dollar is what matters. And, and without any thought to someone else might have a different view down downstream and just have their finger better on the pulse of something. So, in that group setting now, we even want, if I want leaders to make sure that the nurturer has a chance to speak. Yeah. And there's a number of reasons why. Number one, it's probably if you listen to them, uh, you know, Mr. Pioneer, Mr. Connector, they're probably going to keep you from making a mistake. If right. you get them to share, <laughs> hey, that sounds fun, but did you think, that, you know, what about this? Yeah. Um, and, and that even applies, you know, not just in a leadership at, a work role, but also even in your home life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we start to realize what, vo- which voices are nemesis voices with each other. <laughs> the example I just used pioneer and nurturer or their nemesis voices because the pioneer just wants to move forward. Yeah. You know, there's no obstacle. that's going to stop us. This, my, my idea is going to get us there. And if it doesn't, I've got another idea. <laughs> and then the nurturer is in back going, it's not going to work. This is, this isn't going to work. <laughs> And oftentimes when it doesn't work, the nurturer is like, I, I knew it wasn't going to work. Exactly. Well, that's a zero value if you didn't speak up early on. I mean, you could Value to me. Yeah. You could have, <laughs> well, it's a zero value if it's not shared, right? right. So, so it's, it's, on, it's on the other loud voices in the room to bring out those yeah. quieter voices and give them a chance to talk. And, um, and that's really, that's, when you do that, those quieter voices, even the guardians who make up a big part of the population as well, now they suddenly just feel empowered just to share what they're thinking. They they may or may not want to lead the group, but at least they feel empowered to share. Right. And they're both looking at it from a protective standpoint. They're trying to protect you. They're they're not really trying to hold you back. Yeah. They're just trying to keep you from making mistakes that would be costly. Yeah. So um, now it's not to say that nurturers and guardians can't be good leaders and aren't good leaders. Right. There are a lot of good leaders that lead big companies that are nurturers and and they're great at it. Yeah. So well, that's where I mean, you can you can dive into, and we I've had this this conversation with with people during hiring processes, and they say, hey, we want to do assessments for the process. And I'm like, no. And so even the designer of Myers Briggs said that the, it was never designed to weed people out, yeah. because it's a tool to help you communicate and understand yourself and understand how to communicate to other people to get the best out of everyone. Um, it's it doesn't mean just because uh, uh, you're you're in this I don't want to say box, but in this category or this personality style or whatever you want to call it, that you can't be a good. Um, a home inspector, you can't be a good realtor, you can't be a good firefighter, you can't be a good you know, politician, you can't be a good electrician, or that you can't be a good leader. Because you look across the spectrum and, and 
you know, you look at the military and the military is going to always be the go-to example because there's so many people come out of the military that do consultations and things like that. And there's so many good stories, but there's so many different types of, of personalities like Eisenhower. Eisenhower never, he was a, he was a five-star general and he would, he never was on the front lines. Never. Um, but it's because of his ability to do what he was great at and, and manage things and, and do logistics and, and plan is what made him so great, you know, a vastly different personality than Patton, right? Um, both great leaders, both have lots of statues and, and monuments after him and, and names, uh, roads, yeah. Um, but vastly different. If you use a tool, imagine using a tool, uh, uh, before they were ever, you know, brought into uh, commissioning or, or at West Point or whatnot, it's like you know what, you're not, you're you're, you're not, a, you know, in this case, a pioneer or you're not a, a D personality, so we can't have you here. That's how things would look because yeah. that would have affected at that point. That would have affected history to a degree, um, and it could affect the history of your your organization by yeah. by doing stuff like that, not realizing, like I say, it's not. It's, Anybody can do it, yeah. right? Uh, or anybody has the potential to do it. I won't say anybody can do it, but anybody has the potential to do it. You just got to understand how to bring that potential out of them. And that's what this stuff does. Yeah. And it helps to identify and pull. So you, so you have the ability to pull, pull it out of them. Yeah. So <clears throat> one of the things, and actually, you know, we just saw this in Congress with, with you know, the Republicans taking charge of the House and then having, what, 15 or 16 <laughs> votes to elect a speaker. <laughs> But the, one of the things talked about, not to bring up politics in a bad way, but just as an example right. of, of how leadership has been in the past but is now more questioned yeah. is leadership by inertia. Well, I've been here for 10 years, so yeah. I deserve it. Yeah. Well, well, that's not the way a lot of folks see it today. It's, yeah. it's are you someone that, I, that the, the rest of the group wants to follow? Yeah. Um, you can be here for 20 years, but everybody yep. can't stand you. But yep. you're, um, it doesn't, you know, nowadays, nobody – not everyone is going to accept that just because you've been here longer than everyone else, it's your turn. Right. Um, and so there have to be ways to address that and talk about it. Um, yeah. And, and there's a lot of different ways to go. Um, you know, we even talk about um, what gear people live their life in or work in, which is a whole nother concept, but we can apply that to the voices and, and really get into how people get stuck in certain situations and can't move on. Yeah. And leaders get in that too. Leaders get stuck in certain things and, and don't know how to, to lead the group out of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we teach concepts for that as well. Uh, we use this example of the five gears, which literally sometimes you have to explain to younger people what that means. Yeah. You, you use the, you yeah. literally you just use the picture <laughs> of the end of a gear shift. And you're like, what is this? Uh, it's like showing, it's like, it's like showing Courtney's group a rotary phone and asking them what it is. You know, so. oh, what? <laughs> what is that? She didn't know who Ray Charles was earlier, so uh, <laughs> it was it was horrible. Have no idea. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah. right, well, this is going to be bad. Say bad for me, but I usually tell people. So the pioneers go back to that for a second. Sarcasm is our native voice. It's our it's our native yeah. tongue, and we're really good at it. At least we think we are, but not every other voice appreciates it. And so that's one of the things that gets us in trouble, especially if your wife happens to be a nurturer and doesn't like sarcasm. Yeah. So um, one of my comments oftentimes, if I see th something that seems so obvious, um, I'll just say even Ray Charles could have seen that. That's what so, I said earlier. Okay. Well, so that would have meant nothing to you. Yeah. Is I laughed. Yeah. I laughed it wasn't like funny I when I had to explain it to her. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Who's that? Uh, yeah, how I have about no if idea. He, yeah. Does he I work for us? Though. I was like, oh, ha, yeah. 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 I have no idea who you're talking about, but that's funny, huh? Yeah. So, yeah, we have to, we, we age ourselves pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, 
yeah, even with the five gears, some people uh, are just taskmasters. So they're always focused on checking box items off and that's how they live their life. And, and if oftentimes they're, you know, if that's where they're stuck, no one ever, they're not popular people to follow. Right. If that's where they always live their life. So, so working with those types of leaders and getting them to understand that there are other parts of life that you need to spend time in and, yeah. and, you know, and one might be stepping it up a notch and going to fifth gear and get into focus mode to really solve a problem. But then there are those other things like, you know, come back down to third gear and socialize yeah. with people a little bit and actually getting, getting leaders who are struggling to lead their company mm-hmm. to understand that social time, you know, it's the, it's the going out for dinner or going yeah. out for lunch or playing golf or getting involved in other events. That's so oftentimes where business deals are made yeah. and, and that's where you can become an influencer. Yeah. So there's some leaders that get so stuck and we're like, hey, we've so we just use those simple pictures, mm-hmm. you know, a gear shift yeah. to just simply explain. Um, and then we have so many leaders that get hung up and they get so drawn into task mastery, mm-hmm. you know, t- just just checking off box items, staying focused and they never give time for their home life or their own personal care and they get burned out or. Or they don't take time to coach their daughter's softball team. Yeah, well, and that's where that schedule time for it. And that's where you go with the, the 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 difference in the generations and times, right? Because one of the biggest issues that that fire departments and 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 just public safety in general and the military is facing it now, and but fire department specifically is is the fact that one recruitment's down, um, but two, I don't know how many times you know I had to hear. Uh, when it came time for mandatory or for overtime, it was like, well, nobody wants to work anymore. You know, when I was coming up, you know, we would love to be at the fire station because, you know, we didn't want to miss anything. And I said, you know what? I mean, it's not that I don't want to work. I want to be with my family now, you know, like. I've got I, options. Yeah, you know, I mean, working not is that great. family should be an option. Right, right. Mandatory um, but But I want, to, I want to be home with my kids. I want to go to the softball game. Because when you're working, in that case, 24 hours, you miss a lot. Yeah. You know, yes, it's 10 days a month. But I promise you, if there's a game or a concert or something that you want to do, it's going to be on a duty day. Oh. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah, it works. Um, yeah. So, so it's not, it's not that people are lazy and that's a whole other argument, but, um, but it's not why it's, it's not because they're inherently lazy or they don't want to work or they don't have loyalty. It's just that their priorities have shifted mm-hmm. over the years that like, you know what, man, I could work for you for 40 years. And then when I retire, I could have cancer and I can have, you know, I can't walk and then I can die two years later, or I can just work for you for 40 years and enjoy my life when I'm not here and choose to do that. Yeah, I, I've got stories of that from the past running my investment advisory practice and having people, you know, work, reach that magical retirement age of 65, you know, back when it was 65, be so excited about everything. And then find out two months later, they have brain cancer. So and many people in the fire department. Later, gone. Yeah. It's, so, it was the same thing, you yeah. know, within five years, it's like, man, they, they just retired. You know, they, they hung on, they hung on, they hung on. And then they finally hung it up and, you know, same thing, six months, a year later and gone. And it's just one of those things that just starts to make everyone around them question. Yeah. So the questions come up like, yeah. what else could I have done something differently? Yeah. What, you know, what was this worth? And that so. goes back, you know, it goes back. I think, I think leadership and organizations are at a crossroads and they've been in a crossroads for the last, you know, I don't know, five years, 10 years. 
with that old guard of, of style, of leadership style and mentality of organization because there's still that. Because, again, you know, there's still baby boomers in the workforce. You know, there's still that generation. There's older Gen Xers that are kind of on that border um, that's, that's still in the workforce that have that mentality, and they're, they're not understanding or comprehending, like, there's a shift that we have to take. And the easy, easy approach is, well, th- this generation is just lazy. Or this generation just doesn't care, or there's no loyalty here. Versus, you know what? Maybe, maybe we need a shift because, like you said, um, you know, I, I've told Courtney before. I don't, I don't care what you do as long as it gets done. Be where you need to be. Get done what needs to get done. Uh, if you need to go have, you know, meet with realtors, do that, whatever. Um, because just because you're you're going to, you know, uh, whatever, you know, third base grill, you know, place in New Kent um, for <laughs> for lunch, and maybe you're having a drink, but it doesn't mean you're not doing business and, and, and well, again, working that's deals. The, and so, like, w- that would be, like, third gear in our yeah. sort of how we look at it because um, if you do that well, it's a place of influence. Yeah. Then it's a place to generate business, and it's a different mindset for a broader path. I mean, it used to be that's, you know, that was just the banker's world. Yeah, we'll go out and have a two martini lunch or whatever, and that's how we make business deals, or, or just that group goes to the golf course, mm-hmm. and you know that used to alienate a lot of a lot of society yeah. that couldn't do it, and it's just become more prevalent. So, um, yeah, I make I make fun of uh, Jeff Zelensky all the time because I say you know I think he golfs like four days a week, and he calls it networking and business meetings. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I call it, I I call it the. Um, what is it like landscaping? Cause he's so many times down in the woods looking for his ball. So, <laughs> but, uh, so and Jeff, if you listen, uh, uh, Jeff is one of the greatest guys in the world for those who don't know him. He's one of the funniest guys too. And he tells you what he does for a living. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He apparently has transferred that to his daughter. I heard a story yesterday about him taking her to a, a networking <laughs> meeting and she told him you guys, if you don't understand this, you'll have to look it up or get, get Sydney to tell you more of the story, but Jeff's daughter apparently told everybody who she was interning for and then said, I used to work for my dad's puzzle picture taking company <laughs> and awesome. in the networking and the networking circles you run in. it's like one of the funniest stories out there. The people yeah. like fall for that so yeah. often and for her to like deadpan it like that. Oh yeah. It's like, it was a proud, proud dad moment for him. Yeah, because he goes all in on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he goes all in. It's a, it's a whole bit. Well, you know, he, three yeah. to five minutes of talking about how he takes all these puzzles, uh, pictures of puzzles and this one. Now, yeah. Well, Jeff was our second podcast. And, was uh, he a bidet salesman for that one? No. <laughs> so, that was one of his other <laughs> things he told people. It's so funny to watch him hook people and go with that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some people just have a natural talent for that. Or, yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, something that I would do at like the bar. Is come up with a whole different like personality name like oh I'm not Courtney I'm Chelsea and I work for King's Mini like you know it's so funny though but if you're if it's it's his style of networking but if you're around him he's the most memorable guy at the net memorable guy at the network he meeting. is and and you know that he's he does pest control when he leaves even though he barely says that because yeah. he's hooked you with another story yeah and at the end you go oh he does pest control. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's awesome he yeah. prank called me fully prank called me. Nice. What was that about? Um, he called uh, the like office and was like, "You guys did a home inspection for me, and my paint is chipping. Is my house gonna fall down?" <laughs> and he did it in like an so accent, dark. and I was like, "Your paint is no. Your house is not gonna fall down." <laughs> well, you know, then we're gonna have to come up with a group deal to call him back and tell him that like. You know, we got overridden by termites after the inspector left. Oh, it's coming. I'm going to prank call. It's coming. It's coming. Beware. 
Make sure you record it because I think that's going to be one that needs to be shared. Always just telling that, you know, I'll insert other company name here. Like, well, this company does that. <laughs> yeah, he's one, he's one of the big uh, franchise names. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's cool. So, how much time we got? We talk. I mean, I could talk all day long. Well, man, I mean, I think. Uh, I think we really covered a whole lot of ground there. Um, you know, I think I think the important points that we just kind of dove into was really that it's it's important to understand. And you know, I'll, I'll go back to the disc analogies that I know because that's that's what I know. And and when I first started going down disc, and I don't know if this is wide or just the the program that I or the company that I go through, um, but you know, the way it's set up was you know you got the golden rule. And that's what we grew up on. And that still applies, you know, in your personal life, you know, I mean, treat others how you want to be treated. You know, I don't want to go, I don't want my dog kicked, so I'm not going to kick your dog, you know? Um, and, but when it comes to business, you want to treat people how they want to be treated, mm-hmm. you know, and they call that the platinum rule, which is kind of what you alluded to in the beginning. Yeah. You know, you got to figure out leader, others want to follow. It's yeah. Kind of the same concept. Yeah. Um, you know, talk to them how they want to talk to be talked to, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, lead them how they want to be led. And is, is the principles of leadership easy? Yes. Do the right thing. Right. Is implementation hard? Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, um, and if you do leadership right at the end of the day of leading and leadershiping, but you're exhausted. But you know, I, I think we do that to ourselves as leaders. We make it harder to implement. Sure. Because we have our own self-limiting yeah. issues Maybe there's self-preservation. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times in, in uh, leaders of yesteryear, it was you were you held stuff back from the, well, not not you or me, but there were leaders out there that didn't want to promote the people under them. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't, they didn't want to run the risk of those folks jumping them. Yeah. And and that actually still happens in some companies today, it does. where it companies are failing yep. or have departments that are failing, and you suddenly you have turnover, really heavy yeah. turnover. And, and, the, and the turnover is because that, that leader is not promoting anyone. Well, and I posted and, an article the other day um, from F whatever, whatever government agency that's in charge of it, um, about non-competes. Like they're trying oh, yeah. to make non-competes go oh, away. Yeah. And and that's just another way of, of being fearful, right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, because there's companies that have non-competes because you're afraid that I'm going to train Courtney and now Courtney will go take all my secrets and, and go start her own company and now I'm in trouble. Well, instead of just having the concept of being a liberator yeah, and having influence, which are way more positive things yeah. and will have way more positive impact on you down the road. And at the end of the day, and I always say, you know, um, train people so they can leave, treat them so they can stay, you yeah. know? Uh, but at the end of the day, that, that just creates more work for you by, by, by having, being fearful because, you know, I want Courtney to go a whole week without bothering me, you know? Uh, but, <laughs> um, uh, uh, I wasn't going to laugh and I looked at her face, so I don't laugh. <laughs> you know, because if I don't tell her everything that I know, let alone what she needs to know, then, then that's just more work for me. Well, and here's here's another interesting thing about that too. So we have, you know, there are companies out left and right that people report service to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if I wanted to uh, research your company before I hired you, there's tons of things out there yep. that I could go look at. Well, it's no different for large employers who are looking to replace people. Mm-hmm. There are sites out there where former employees have judged what type of place you are to work yep. for and what type of leadership you know, you possess or what type of leaders you are. Yep. And if it's negative, it makes the hiring process that much more yep. difficult. 
Um, and the interview process is going to be more them interviewing you than you interviewing them. Yep. So, that was a great point. You know, like I said earlier, I was doing mock interviews at a high school for, for, for seniors this morning. And that was one of the, the points is that, you know, last question was, do you have any questions for me? You know, someone's like, I don't have anything. I always told like, you always ask something. And if nothing else, the, the question you guys, any interview, any company, any position is what are your expectations of me? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that right there can, can really determine because you're interviewing me as much as I'm interviewing you and I need, and you need to know if you can meet my expectations, if they're reasonable, you mm-hmm. know, something that you don't know about. Um, because it, this is a two way street these days. Um, I mean, you look, you, you drive down the street and there's four uh, uh, help wanted signs everywhere. everywhere. You know, you go to LinkedIn, you go to Google, um, Indeed, Monster, all those places, and 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 the list is long for for people needing people. And Which is interesting that that there are so many of those out there, those ads out there looking to hire people. Mm-hmm. We're also in this really interesting phase of layoffs being announced <laughs> every day by the thousands, but we still have all these jobs that are going unfulfilled. Well, you got, it's and, important to remember that those are right now yeah, um, sure. directed at tech, yeah. big tech, yeah. that really excelled during the pandemic, yeah. and I think maybe they're coming down a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we, as a society, we, yeah. we always – Go to excess during good yep. times, and it was it's tech and it's real estate tech. Yeah. You know yeah. the the Redfins and and the the Zillows and yep. and you know things like that. So um, for now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, <laughs> for now, now. And, and we go through cycles and everything. Yep. So yeah, um, yeah. So one of the things I, I want to also mention, um, if you don't mind, sure. um, so there's an event that we're going to be hosting um, on May the third called LeaderCast. Mm-hmm. So for those who aren't familiar with LeaderCast, it's a little bit like a TEDx-type conference. It's a day-long session. It'll be on May 3rd. Uh, We haven't picked the location yet, but it'll be somewhere central to the Richmond metro area. Um, And it's seven hours of leadership content. So there's a main event hosted in Cincinnati that day, and we will live simulcast it here in Richmond, and it'll be done in several other cities as well. Um, One of the one of the speakers is uh, Jeremy Kubasek, who is one of the founders of Giant, uh, and he'll he'll be talking about the Peace Index, which is one of the tools we use. But um, there are there are seven or eight really well known, you know, top thought leaders uh, across different industries. Um, it provides some CE credits for uh, for uh, certain professions, mm-hmm. but um, we'll have a website up for that in a couple of days. Just Leadercast RVA, okay, um, and I'll get you more information on it. But it's um, it should be a really good event. Uh, we'll probably have uh, several hundred that will attend, nice. and it will be uh, for those who are interested. In maybe sponsoring it, we'll have sponsorship opportunities available. Mm-hmm. Tickets will be really affordable for the content that you're able to get. Okay, um, and then we'll have taped versions of it as well. But nice. we'll love to share more information with you if you want to get that to your listeners and absolutely uh, we'll down post the road. It. Yep. Okay. Great. Awesome. Well, man, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know yeah, it's uh, been great. Uh, was it Tuesday? Yeah, yeah, busy Tuesday, busy Tuesdays, right? Uh, <laughs> not not quite Fridays, uh, but I appreciate you coming in, man. I could talk about the leadership stuff all day long. Oh, absolutely, um, it's you know, fascinating the, stuff. Yeah, it, it really is. Just the psychology of it, the dichotomy of it, and all those other uh, all those other big words. All those other big words. I don't I don't know what they mean. Yeah. Um, they sound good. That's right. It makes me sound smart. Uh, <laughs> um, but I appreciate you coming in. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. Absolutely, love um, to. And if anybody has any questions, want to know more about the five voices or, or, or your assessments or your skill set or your services, how do they get a hold of you? So they can reach out to me. Um, the, the easiest way, and I'll provide it to you, is 
uh, just my email. Um, it's a long one, but I'll say it. <laughs> it's uh, Brian at harvesting chaos, LLC.com and everything's spelled just like it sounds. Um, if you don't know how to spell chaos, it is C H A O S. Courtney was, she was, she was <laughs> yeah, struggling with that. I wouldn't know how to spell that. <laughs> yeah. She struggled with shirts earlier. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, that was fourth grade. That was fourth grade. I spelled shirt wrong in an assignment. I forgot the R. Uh, <laughs> Parent-teacher conferences probably, after that. Yeah. Hey, no, the teacher didn't see it. My we'll, mom we'll read it, though. We'll note to home. <laughs> well, so. awesome. We'll make sure we, uh, we'll have that on the um, when we drop the podcast in awesome. the description and everything. And, um, yeah. Yeah. and you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, yep. you know, all those places. So. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.